You're listening to the Opening Statements Podcast, brought to you by HyperChat Social, the podcast bringing you real lawyers and their real stories. I'm Laura. I'm Rebecca. And I'm producer Evan. And this week, our guest is Randy Kessler, a partner and founder at KS Family Law, which is a 30-person divorce firm, an author of many family law books, including Divorce, Protect Yourself, Your Kids, and Your Future, and How to Mediate a Divorce, and more. He is an adjunct professor of family law litigation at Emory Law School and has served as the chair of the family law sections at the American Bar Association the State Bar of Georgia, and the Atlanta Bar Association. Yeah, and today, his most prestigious honor, he joins the Opening Statements podcast. Court is now in session. Welcome to the show. You guys are great. That was, uh, who are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Am I in the right place? <laughs> this is me. <laughs> um, so getting to know you, I mean, I know a lot of people know who you are, um, but tell us a little bit about your background and what got you into law in the first place. Okay, so... Uh, I grew up in New Orleans, and when I was three years old, my grandfather said, who was a cab driver and worked his behind off his whole life, said, you're going to be a lawyer. Not a shyster, but you'll be a lawyer when you grow up. And <laughs> So I don't know that that did it, but that sort of planted the seed. And, okay, really? You know, but I was probably, like a lot of typical lawyers, I was in uh, undergraduate. I was in Boston in, in a school called Brandeis, and I just wanted to be somewhere in the South and wasn't sure what I wanted to do. I liked the idea of law. I liked the idea of helping people. But, you know, mm-hmm. we're all philosophical and ambitious young people back then. And yeah. law school sounded like a great thing to do. And I said, as long as it's below the Mason-Dixon line, <laughs> <laughs> I'm in. So I came to Emory and uh, started off with a firm that did everything. I like trials. I like being in court. I like getting out of the office. And the firms I, w- I worked with did that. And I ended up doing a lot of divorce family law work. And three, mm-hmm. years, out of law- three years out of law school, I just uh, was ready to start on my own. Didn't have a family. I could try it. I figured I could starve. I could eat peanut butter and jelly, even sure. though I hate peanut butter. <laughs> <laughs> and um, took everything that came in the door until a few years later, I realized the people coming for family law really appreciated me, and the people coming for the other stuff appreciated me because I was young and cheap. Yeah. You know, <laughs> traffic court doesn't always pay the bills, but back then, $100 to do a traffic ticket, I'd be happy to do it. But when someone really needed me for the family matter, I felt like I was more involved in their life, helping them come out mm-hmm. better, so... Ended up just sticking with that. I'm a very insecure person, so I said, you know what, I need to hire some people around me to make sure I'm giving good advice. 50, 60-year-old people coming to this 29-year-old kid asking about his <laughs> life. And so I'd hire more people, and then I'd say, oh, my gosh, we need to get more business. Now we, So sort of a yin and yang between developing the practice and bringing on good people to surround myself with. And right. here we are 30 years later with a, a great team, great crew, great uh, clients. Just could have been more blessed. Amazing. That is awesome. That's really cool. If you, I mean, obviously your plan started at three years old, <laughs> thanks to grandpa, but did you have a backup plan or what do you think you would be doing? Yeah, at three years old, maybe Superman. Yeah, <laughs> that's what, you know. Yeah, that or, you know, starting quarterback for the New Orleans Saints. There you go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Although they seemed to find one that was pretty good. Yeah, they did all yeah, right they without a couple you. Of guys. Yeah. It was hard for them, though. I mean, no, I didn't really have a backup. I mean, I, I, you know, the funny thing is about being a lawyer, you can do so much with being a lawyer. It's one thing if you are in a profession or if you're a special kind of doctor. But being a lawyer doesn't mean you're just a lawyer. You could be a lawyer that does transactions. You could write contracts. You could be in-house. You could be a trial lawyer. You could be a criminal defense lawyer. Mm-hmm. You could be a, a divorce lawyer. Um, so I don't know that I had a backup plan. I, I figured there are probably a lot of things I could do with a divorce, uh, sorry, with a law background. Mm-hmm. But no, I just sort of, sometimes I feel like life took me by the hand and I ended up in a good place and I've uh, been very, very lucky. So. Yeah, that's awesome. So cool. What would you say your favorite thing is about what you do? Seeing people years later. You know, we just talked mm-hmm. off the record a little bit about some of the folks that I've known that yeah. were, some of them were high profile. And 
seeing them years later and still being friendly with them and knowing that I went through it with them. And, you know, when they were at a really bad time, you know, we helped calm it or make it go faster or get, get over it. And seeing them back on their feet, back in the world, doing well, that's my favorite part. No, no one comes out and says, man, that was a great divorce. I want to know. <laughs> Let's do that one again. But some of them do do it again. Yeah, it sounds like do, you, do you get a lot yeah. of repeat clients? Uh, you know, not, not too many, but you know, we, don't, we don't turn it down. Well, of course. What um, kind of business would it be? But that's the best, is seeing that we're, we're, and knowing that if I do my job right, and this might sound, I don't want to sound, uh, whatever, I'll just say it. <laughs> if we do our job the right way, we are helping the world in a small way, right? Mm-hmm. If we help a family through a divorce and make it less confrontational and make them, you know, get through it and move on, if we do it well and keep the peace um, and get it resolved out of court, you know, in a small way, we've helped that family, and that is how you help the world eventually, you know? Yeah. So I'm lucky to have a job that makes me feel good about what I do instead of I did my job, I made some money, now i got to go do some charity work because my job doesn't really give me any of that. My job gives me a lot of that. Yeah. I gotcha. So thinking about when you first started, so you were in a firm that took all different kinds of cases. Do you recall what your first case was like? So when I was in law school, I actually worked at the DeKalb County Prosecutor's Office, mm. and I prosecuted a DUI. It was a jury oh. trial. So that was uh, interesting. They, they said, here, we'll give you one you can't lose since you're still in law school. <laughs> <laughs> That's like the kiss of death. And, right, right. and the guy was a .38, you know, Ooh. .08 is the limit. Yeah. Oh, he was .38. It was his fifth one. Oh, no. And I didn't lose it, but um, it, was, <laughs> it would have been hard to lose. They were, yeah. they were right. Um, but still, I was nervous as could be. I went out and I checked out. All he was doing, he was parking a friend's car. But I went out in my car. I took pictures of the parking spot to make sure I, you know, I did. I overworked the case. And I figured better to be overworked than underworked. And now I still feel like that. If it's a Sunday night and there's a case coming on on Monday, I know the other lawyer's probably in their office burning the midnight oil. And I better mm-hmm. be, too, or I'm going to, you know, be behind. So, um, no. There, there are a lot of kids I remember early on. Yeah. But uh, really, I remember people that go to trial do so never for money, more for principle. And we joke about it mm-hmm. it's for principle. But there's always somebody did somebody wrong and they're, they're going to get him back. And our job is to explain court's not going to give you that. Right? Yeah. You never feel good. The judge never says, you are an angel and he's a devil and you get everything and he gets nothing. There's, you know, it never feels good when you come out and the judge says, I found some blemishes with you too, ma'am. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I see that. I see that lesson. I hope my clients don't learn it the hard way. Yeah. So. Um, you mentioned a lot of high-profile clients that you've worked with, and we talked about some before the show. What would you say the difference is between a high-profile case and more of a traditional, like, So n- nothing and everything, right? Yeah. Nothing in the sense that they're same. They're, they're people. They have the same desires. You know, there's nothing like, you know, having a seven-foot NBA guy come into my office and, you know, his mom coming in with him and his mom saying, you better protect this guy from the money. Don't, don't, don't let him marry her. Or get a prenup. Mm. And he says, Mom, can you step out? And the mom steps out and he says, I don't even want a prenup because I love her so much. I don't care if she just if she wants to divorce me later. That's fine. It's worth the risk. And so oh. they're real people, right? Yeah. And, uh, but that's, that's the flip side. When I say nothing, it's also everything because you have to get to them. And all the famous people that we represent have agents, PR people that are always, for good, trying to protect the famous person from the rest of the world who wants a piece of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we get viewed as the rest of the world that wants a piece of them. We, you know, we just want their money is what yeah. you may be. And, and when they finally get to know us and they realize we're their advocate, our job is to do what's good for them, then it's okay. But it's hard sometimes to get the direct contact with the person. And, and I won't do it. I won't, you know, if someone's agent says, yes, she approves following a divorce. No, no, no. I, I need to see her yes. or have her tell me mm-hmm. that she approves it because 
ultimately it's her life and it's going to come back to me when she says, I never saw that. I never approved it. Yeah, but your agent said so. It's not good enough. So No, yeah. no that would not uphold. So It's also what maybe learn how to text because <laughs> NFL guys, they, you cannot accessible. get them on the phone. You cannot email them. They had the text. Now everybody texts, but back then it was it was a new thing. Well, I never considered like the agent part of it. Is that common that the celebrity just doesn't prefer to talk to the Some do. So so they're I don't want to say they're two types. There are all types of people in all sorts of fields, but they're two types of celebrities I found. The, the ones that have yes people behind them just doing everything for them. Mm-hmm. And then the kind that, that bring their own checkbook into the office and say, How much is that gonna cost, Mr. Kessler? And they write their own check. Which is really impressive, you know. That they can write a check. <laughs> well, yeah, that they, and that they're and that they're concerned about it because it means they're going to be okay. Um, yeah. So, but a lot of them have a posse, and it's easy, you know. They're busy people. I mean, yeah. they change their cell phone number every six months. I got to get their new number. I'm like, why do they do that? And then I realized because every time they give out a number, their friend says, "Look, I got so and so's number," and they pass mm-hmm. it on, and they must get. You know, I get upset sometimes when people don't text me back, like we all do. Yeah. But I realize there's some people that get a thousand texts a day. And they're not ignoring you. They just have too many texts. Yeah, they they didn't probably get a chance to see it. Yes. (laughs) Amongst all those. So, I mean, I think whenever you have your own practice, and I mean, I don't, but I'm going to assume, having high-profile clients and high-profile cases is is kind of the dream, right? Yeah. You know, it's funny because uh, the favorite thing that a client ever says to me is, Mr. Kessler, I'm not one of your high-profile clients. (laughs) And we hear that much more than we hear, I'm one of your high-profile clients Mm -hmm. because those are the ones that get the press and those are the ones that people talk about and those are the ones that hear, you know, and, and that's what America loves. They, you don't follow the divorce case of Smith versus Smith. You follow the divorce case of Joe Lee versus Pitt yes. yeah. because that's the one that you sort of feel like you know them. Um, but I'm trying to recall your question. Is it, <laughs> you know, the fact that uh, those, that's the dream. It, it was when I was younger, Yeah. you mm-hmm. know, and um, a case with somebody famous walking your door, you sort of get the chills and it's fun. And yeah. then you start talking about football and who they think is going to win the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And you're talking with a real NFL player about yeah. what they think. And of course, and that's sort of fun. And mm-hmm. I still like that. I still enjoy that. But it's not really um, the dream if you're talking about what's the best business model. You know, representing athletes and entertainers is hard. You know, they're used to people doing what they want. It's, and, you know, someone once told me a lawyer's job is to say no. Mm-hmm. You know, is it okay if I go have a girlfriend even though the divorce isn't finished? No. Is it okay <laughs> if, if I smoke a little bit of pot even though we're in a... No. no. You know, our job... If you have to ask me, you know the answer is probably no. Yeah. yeah. It's harder to tell those people no because everyone around them tells them yes. Yeah. And if they say no, they usually change professionals. You know, the accountant that says, you cannot afford a $2 million house right now. Okay, well, I'll find an accountant who tells me I can. Right. Yeah. You know, and, and they think if an accountant, not my accountant, but if an accountant tells me it's okay, then it's okay. So... Same with us. And, and we lose some clients. We don't do everything they want. And I got one reputation. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I'm not going to sacrifice it because a client wants me to do something stupid or because they want it. You know, I'll still do what they want if they sign a document saying, I instructed you not to do this. And you still wanted me to ask them for X, you know, yeah. as long as it's ethical. But yeah. uh, How did you find yourself in this position of representing these high profile, you know, celebrities and names did you just kind of fall into yeah. it T- took luck one. <laughs> happenstance i mean you know they say you know success is where opportunity meets luck or, mm-hmm. uh, or whatever yeah. it is there's a phrase something like that i think being in atlanta yeah. which is a hotbed for hip-hop and entertainment and movies are here now and athletes i think there are a lot of athletes that live in atlanta that have nothing to do with atlanta sports i mean there are a lot of nfl nba players who actually live here that don't play for the hawks or the falcons um number two i really when I started off, I felt, 
and I still do. I had a really soft spot for especially women that were owed a lot of money by athletes and others, and nobody would take their case because they couldn't pay them. Yeah. So I would take the case and hope that at the end of the case, the lawyer uh, off the other side or the judge would order their rich client to pay the fees, and that usually worked out. Um, and I c- could afford to do that. I didn't have um, a lot of overhead, a lot of expenses like I do now. But um, And then what started happening, and this is sort of funny, I'd meet with, I'll never forget, I met with one hip-hop guy. I said, so are you all having issues? He's like, no. I said, so what are you meeting with me for? He said, because I heard if I meet with you, then she can never hire you. Oh. So oh. Is that true? Wow. It is. And his agent had actually told him to come meet with me. And so we get some meetings like that. I've met with a lot of folks that never had an issue. They just try and take you off the table. Yeah. For oh. like. A $500 consultation fee or whatever it is. And that's forever. I can't represent the other side. Ever. Because they've told me stuff about them. If they tell me, you know, and if there's. It doesn't matter if they told me confidential stuff or not because it's assumed it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if they say, you know, when I was a kid, I once got caught smuggling, you know, drugs into class. Well, how could I represent the other side now that I know that pertinent fact? Mm-hmm. So it's an automatic conflict. Wow. And it lasts forever. That's crazy. Yeah. I Remember? had no idea. Strategically. that's like Well, in small towns, you can't do it really in Atlanta, but in small towns, people going through divorce will go meet with the best divorce lawyer in town and then meet with all three of them to make sure that their spouse can't hire any of them. That is dirty. It's dirty, and it's horrible, too, because I want a good lawyer on the other side. I want somebody who this is not their biggest case that I've dealt with, that I've had yeah. breakfast with, that can you know give me a continuance when I want a continuance mm-hmm. because I want to go on a vacation with my family. It's better to have good lawyers on the other side than the lawyer who this is their biggest case, and they're going to make their name on that case. Yeah. Wow. That is So they just meet with you, nothing is wrong, but just in case 20 years down the road, it, it, they decide they want a divorce? It's not that common. And I would I would guess that they probably foresee there's some sort of some problem issue. because they're thinking about that issue. Yeah, they've know. already talked to their agent about there's obviously a reason why they would have come to you. That's insane. And also, look, it helps so that when something does happen, now they've got my cell or they've got my office number and they can just call and say, okay, we're ready to go. And I've already got a file set mm-hmm. up and I don't have to wait for a new meeting or whatever. Right. It's so crazy. I know. I wouldn't have. Either. Yeah. Is there a, smart. a high profile <laughs> case that you wish you could have handled? You know, it's funny. I'm going to answer it in a reverse way. I would not have wanted to handle Jeff Bezos, mm. Bill Gates, you know, any of those. Because had one of those folks come into my office, I would have immediately contacted my five best colleagues and said, we're all on the same team. Yes. Because that's a big case to make an error on, right? If you make a 1% mistake... That's only a billion dollars. Oh, right? oh you know, yeah. It's, it's, it's a rounding error. That's, that's deal, one Twitter you, know. you can buy. You but know. The, the put, <laughs> put aside Twitter. rumors and, and, you know, things people think about lawyers, we don't get a percentage. In fact, we're not allowed to get a percentage of the settlement. So if we represent somebody who's worth $100 million and we get them $30 million, we can't say we want a third or 20%. That's just not ethical. Mm-hmm. And if you think it, think it through, it makes sense, right? I, what if you're getting divorced from your husband and y'all are worth $100 million? And I get 20%. And then all of a sudden, in the middle of the case, you say, you know what? I, I don't really want a divorce. I want to get back with him. And then what am I going to say? No, get a divorce. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. So you don't want to have that. Up. So, um, And I like charging by the hour because it lets me tell my client, if you really want to fight, it's going to cost you more. It gives me a way to get people to settle. That's against my own interest, but it sure. still is helpel. I can say, settle the case and you save the $50,000 it's going to cost you to go to a jury trial. Yeah. Which, by the way, in Georgia... We can have a jury trial and divorce, which is really, really unique. You can? Yes. Only in Texas can you also do it, and that's just on parenting time. For money issues in Georgia, not for custody, but well, support, child support, alimony, division of property, you can have a jury in Georgia. Really? 
That's the class oh. I teach at Emory about how to do a jury trial in a divorce. Oh, yeah. that's so oh, fascinating. That's very interesting. What types of cases tend to go to jury? Like, is it just where they really See, just refuse to agree? What, <laughs> this is what, what's fun about what I do, because as soon as I tell you, you're going to say, oh, that makes sense, right? Oh, yeah. At first you think, well, I wouldn't want a jury handling my case. But if you think about it, number one, judges hear divorces all the time, mm-hmm. right? And they only hear the worst ones because only the worst ones go to court. So they hear that everybody's having an affair. You think they care anymore? They get desensitized. They want to figure out how to solve the math problem. How much money goes to him? How much money goes to her? Or him and him if it's a same-sex marriage or whatever it Mm is. A jury, this is their one and only case. If somebody feels abused or hurt or or victimized, they're going to try to right that wrong. So juries, I think, pay a lot more attention to the conduct issues. Mm. Number two, what if you go to a temporary hearing and you say, Judge, my client needs $8,000 a month support. And the judge says, well, I could get by on less than that. I'm going to award her $2,000 a month. Mm. Well, a jury... Uh, might just be the right pick. I can say to my client, I, I don't want that judge to find do the final trial. Well, what are our options, Mr. Kessler? Oh, how about a jury? So, so you have to elect to have yes, a jury. Either side can ha- can choose to have a jury up until the last second. Really? The other good thing is, you know, people don't want to go to jury trial. So it actually helps ke- helps us settle cases. You know, you really want 12 people. You might go to church with some of those people. You want them <laughs> on your jury, right? Yeah. So it makes people settle. Interesting. This episode is brought to you by HyperChat Social, the attorney's social media marketing agency. From branding to lead generation, we have experts specializing in all areas of digital marketing, and we're ready to help you take your practice to the next level. Contact us today at 877-359-3399 or book a free consultation online at tryhyperchat.com. That's T-R-Y-H-Y-P-E-R-C-H-A-T dot com. So obviously you can't be an experienced lawyer without picking up a few interesting cases along the way. And we are going to talk about the ones that you find to be the most interesting. And that in you're your able to yeah, talk about. That you're able to talk about. <laughs> you don't have to say names, obviously. Yeah. I mean, if you want to, throw them out. But. No, look, there, there's so many that have been in the press. I, yes. We, you, know, you can probably tell The John. truth of the matter is probably 10% of the cases we've handled that are famous people know about. And there's just so many people that, it, you know, I get a little feels good inside when I watch a movie or watch TV or watch a basketball game and see somebody playing that I know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and nobody knows I know them. Um, you know, it's funny. Uh, there's a doctor that I, that I represented and he was treating a family member and he met my family members and he met my father and he met everybody. And then, uh, I came into the room and I said, you know, what the doctor said, they showed me the doctor's card and I knew who the doctor was, but I didn't say you anything. Can't say anything. I didn't say anything. And so, um, the doctor came back I texted the doctor, said, can you come back? And uh, he said, ah, oh, you know, we asked, we played, you know, this game, see who you know in, in the community, and we, but we didn't play the divorce game. And so he outed me and said that I was his divorce lawyer. Oh. And it was nice, and my family was shocked. They said, you represented him? You represented, you know, and it's nice, and it made me feel good, but those are the kind of things that I, um, are interesting about representing high-profile people. It's just sort of an internal thing. And luckily for me, or not, I've represented so many that it's not like, hey, I'm representing this famous person because five of my next ten calls may be famous people, which Mm -hmm. sort of makes me less, um, you know, focus on the fact that they're famous. But uh, the ones that I remember are not necessarily some of the famous ones that we bonded together and saw them at their low points. And um, but there was a guy named Carnell Smith Mm -hmm. that I represented. This is one that I remember. Do you want me to tell you about it? Yes. So Colonel Smith. No, don't tell us anything. <laughs> yeah. So, you know about D- so DNA testing is a big thing, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But years ago, they didn't have a little swab of saliva to tell if you were the father. There was blood tests. And so when he had his child, he um, his lawyer said, you should take a blood test. He said, I don't want to take a blood test. She says, it's my child. I believe her. 11 years later, 
there was this DNA testing that came about, and he found out that it wasn't his kid. So we went back to court and asked the judge to undo the original order and make him stop paying child support. And the judge said, Mr. Kessler, did his lawyer advise him to take a test? And I, of course, said, that's an objection because it's attorney-client privilege, what his lawyer told him. He said, I'll tell him, judge, my lawyer told me to take a test, but I trusted her. And I found out it's not, and the judge said, case dismissed. You should have taken a test back then. Mm -hmm. So we appealed it to the Georgia Court of Appeals, Georgia Supreme Court. Went all the way to the the U.S. Supreme Court. Wow. And his argument to the Supreme Court was, and they didn't take the case. When I was ordered to pay child support, the court had no jurisdiction over me because technically I was a legal stranger. I had no relationship. It wasn't, I wasn't the father. So it's like you pick anybody on the street and say, that's the guy. The Supreme Court didn't like that argument, turned it down. So this guy, he always wanted to be, he called himself a gold star client. He did everything he could. After he didn't win the U.S. Supreme Court case, he went around and about half the states in the country now have laws that allow a father to go back when they find out they're not the father and get it undone. And there's some stipulations. You have to do it within a certain period of time. You have to, for sure, not have known that you weren't the father when you agreed to be the father. Um, And he founded a a website called... Citizens Against Paternity Fraud. He was on Good Morning America. Just superstar. Wow. So I remember that he he's one of those people that changed the world for a lot of people besides himself. I was going to say, did he ever get it reversed on himself or did he continue paying? No, he didn't get it reversed on himself. Really? So he did. But he, but he referred people to me and friends of his that we did and we got the money back and, you know. But it's a hard decision, you can imagine. Like if somebody told me my daughter was my daughter, I'd say, I don't want to hear it. I'm not taking a test. It's my daughter. So, yeah. you know, we had an NBA player who... His one-year-old, he really wanted to be the father, and we agreed to the child support. And I said, before we sign off, tell me about that DNA test you said you took. He said, I gave her saliva, oh. a sample, and she sent it off, and it came back, and she told me I was the father. Oh. I said, we're going to do another test. Yeah. $100,000 later, a year later, 10 court hearings to the judge finally, we realized he was not the father. She finally was going to go to jail. She didn't take a test, took a test. He's not the father. The judge ordered her to pay our fees um, and let him off the hook. But... That was only because the child was young and he had not yet bonded with the child. Had he bonded with the child, he probably would have said, you know what, I love this kid and it's my kid. Well, that's what I was thinking about this one where 11 years goes by. It was hard. He had a hard decision. The problem, the reason he did it in that case was because he was with his new wife and they waited until he was financially secure enough to be able to have another child. So it really hurt him to be able to do this. And he didn't want to keep paying. Um, he wanted to have the relationship. He would still pay voluntarily, but it wasn't going to give the mother that child the money. I was going to say, that's why I think the difference would be like... and she cut money. him off immediately, and he he for three years he didn't have a relationship with the wow. child. Wow! So that's really uh, sad. Yeah, it was hard. Yeah, that's like where the the child's the innocent party. So, so and it's not, not the famous clients; it's the ones that really you know touch you. That um, you know, and there's one that mother took a child overseas, and we went overseas to try to get the child back, and fought for a long time. And it went our way for a while, then it didn't go our way. Then the child ended up running away to live with my client. So really? years later, so uh, you remember those? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, you yeah. really do, without a doubt. Um, so, I mean, let's talk about your experience. I mean, obviously when I Google you, I can find all kinds of Uh information, Uh (laughs) (laughs) um, on some cases. And I don't know if you can say, yes, this happened or no, this didn't happen. But I mean, the biggest ones I've seen, biggest ones to me, because I love the housewives, um, can you, Those are about as public as you can get. They are right? so right, yeah. And I mean, I mean the, their job is to make their life public. So I want to talk about the Real Housewives of Atlanta. I think there's a few on there that you may or may not have dealt with in the past, and I just want to 
ask about. You've had our share. You've had your share. Why are you a fan? I'm no. Familiar with the work of the Real Housewives? We've been on both sides too, so I'm not always. You know, there's the real husbands too, right? Yeah, I yes. Well, I'm going to name some things, and it's like a mini game. And if you want to say team whoever, you can. Okay. Like if I'm on one side. Like you're like team, you know, Cordell or (laughs) team Team Portia, Portia. for example. Okay, Apollo and Phaedra. We represented Apollo. Ooh, I love Apollo. I love Phaedra too, though. I was like, how can you not love it? And I would only say this, but it's because it was on the show. They actually, yes, yeah. Todd and Candy, not divorced, but love them both. We did their prenup, right? We did Todd and saw Todd two nights ago at the Hawks game. Super nice guy. She's super nice. You know. It's nice when you do a prenuptial agreement because people are actually excited to be together. It's yeah, the exact right. opposite of a divorce. So, uh, it's um, did Candy's they're, they're mom nice get family. involved at all? Uh, no comment. <laughs> <laughs> Portia versus Cordell. Yeah, we represented Portia. And still like her, love yeah. her, enjoy seeing her. She's uh, friendly, but yeah. Is uh, it true that she did not find out about this divorce until she was on? Okay, she heard about it through the media. I don't recall what happened. I remember seeing her saying things on TV that she didn't know about until it was tweeted or on social media. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't remember officially if that's what happened. But uh, yeah. but I remember seeing that and I don't have any reason to doubt, doubt what she says on TV. But, you know, she... I don't remember. I, I honestly don't remember if she got it first. And uh, and if I did remember, I probably wouldn't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, especially if he was Team Portia. He's, gonna, <laughs> right? he's Team um, Portia all the way. Yeah. What would you say is one of the biggest things people should know about a prenup? That you don't always have to have one. You know, it's sort of, if you think it through, just like we've been talking about earlier, as soon as you start thinking about it, light bulbs go off and you start realizing, I might want a prenup just because I want a prenup because my parents want a prenup. So mm-hmm. I get her to sign a prenup. And guess what? that prenup might be better for her than if there was no prenup. But mm-hmm. I've got a prenup. So um, it's not for everybody. Yeah. yeah. Um, you, the reasons that would make me say you should get a prenup is if you've been through a bad divorce and you don't want to go through another expensive divorce. Um, if you've got a special asset that you want to make sure is yours, the, the beach house that your grandpa built from scratch, and you want to make sure that's yours no matter what. Um, but it just depends on who your spouse is. And uh, in general... If you can get along and agree to it, great. Yeah. The problem is a prenup usually makes you come out better or worse than you would in a divorce, and you can't both come out better yeah. than the other. So somebody's going to come out better, someone's going to come out worse. Um, but really, if it's just about what you've had before the marriage because you're in an, you're older and you've been through a lot or you've made some money or you've got some family money, then it makes sense. But um, you don't always have to have it. It's not the most romantic thing in the world. No, no. You can also do a postnuptial agreement. If during the marriage you acquire some property or inherit something and you want to secure that, you could do a postnuptial agreement. So that's not a bad idea sometimes. Interesting. That is. I didn't know you could do a postnuptial yeah. agreement. Every state except Ohio will enforce them. So oh. don't, do, don't do a postnup in Ohio. Mm. What's wrong with Ohio? Does that just matter where you file the postnup or would it matter where you filed for divorce? It's a good point. So... Usually, when we do a postnuptial agreement or a prenuptial agreement, we say that no matter where the divorce is, the court where the divorce is must defer to Georgia law regarding this issue. Because otherwise, if I tell my client, you can do this in a prenuptial agreement in Georgia, and then she moves to California, and California doesn't agree with that, what good was my advice? Yeah. And so now California will have to defer to the document which says we need a Georgia opinion. And sometimes, and I've served as an expert to testify in other states as to what Georgia law would be. 
mm. on that issue. So that's the way you give predictability to people. Yeah. Okay, that's a good point. Yeah. What's one way you would like to see family law change in general? Wow. I think uh, there should be a lot more education about the process. Mm. I, I think the big problem with family law is not necessarily the system. I think, you know, we developed a family division in Fulton County, which some people like, some people don't. But at least the judges there hear family law day in, day out, instead of every other county in Georgia where one day a judge is hearing a murder case, the next day it's a personal injury case, a car wreck case, and then the next day it's a divorce case. And it's not the same, right? Mm-hmm. People that are divorcing are going to always be related. Whether you have kids or not, especially if you have kids, you're going to always see each other. You sue the doctor that cut the wrong leg off, you're never going to see that doctor again, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So um, there should be more education about the process. The problem is when, you're, when you want a divorce or when your spouse wants a divorce, you're scared, you run to a lawyer, and you immediately want to protect yourself. You don't start thinking about 10 years from now, how am I going to look back on this? Mm-hmm. Uh, I wish uh, that lawyers were all cooperative and all... Um, thought like this, and this is, I guess, the best way to put it. As a divorcer, I'd like to think that if I'm on an elevator, I wrote a piece about this and I thought about it a lot. If I ever get stuck on an elevator and there's one person on the elevator and the person stuck on the elevator with me is the opposing party of someone I used to represent, like my client's ex-husband, I would hope they would look at me and say, you know what? I didn't love you, but you did it professionally and thank you for not making it worse than it was. Yeah. Um, I think another problem is that we fall on the sword for our clients. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times, you know, the husband might say, well, she would never have sued me for divorce but for her lawyer. She never would have asked for that much money but for her lawyer. And what am I going to say? No, it was your wife that was crazy. <laughs> so I say, you know, if, if it ever comes up, I'm the one asking for that much. And if the judge says, you really think $25,000 a month is reasonable for your client, Mr. Kessler? What am I supposed to say? No, not oh. really, but that's what my client wants. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, so I have to say, Your Honor, $25,000 is reasonable because if you look at her expenses. Yeah, so a lot of times. And that's why people, a lot yeah. of them say, you know, those lawyers are just, you know, pushing the wrong way. And trust me, in a case like that, I've written to my client three or four times saying, It is very unlikely you're going to get that much. The judge might hold it against you. Um, I will do it if you want, but there's, here are the consequences. Yeah. Know? Yeah, because you could almost maybe put yourself at risk if you're yeah. well, going limit. so far above. You know that they they may yeah, take my that reputation is important, right? Yes. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go in and ask for hundred thousand dollars a month when the guy on the other side only makes a hundred thousand a month. Yeah. Sure. You know, if he makes two million dollars a month, I don't mind asking for a hundred thousand dollars a month. Yeah. That's not well, much yeah. of it, right? You know? Yeah. yeah, exactly. That's not. Do you tend to know how much the other side does make before you can ask for that? Yeah, there's a deeper question there. Yes. <clears throat> so, the bigger problem in family law is not. You know, how, what percentage of the assets should my client get? Mm-hmm. The bigger fight is usually what are the assets, at least yeah. in a high dollar case. So we spend a lot. We Sometimes we don't make as much money as the forensic accounts, the people that are figuring out what are the assets. Mm-hmm. You know, what is his business worth? What does she really make? What is the passive income? What is the, you know, what's the value of a stock option? Those are all complicated questions. So the question that we really have to figure out before we can settle is what is there? And a problem we run into a lot is that some clients are so eager to settle they just want this behind them. They want to move on with their life that we may not have a full understanding. We have to explain to them, you know you're settling this case, and he or she may have more money than you know. And most of the time they'll say, that's fine, as long as I get X. And if oh, you're really? in the high-value range, you know, if, if I'm going to – I have a client where there's probably $200 million at stake, and she walked away with – she told him she would take 40 and left, you know. She's fine with forty million dollars. Yeah, right? Hell yes. Yeah. You know, I would be too. And he's probably like, yes. Well, look at Jeff Bezos, <laughs> right? He was worth one hundred thirty-five billion. 
I don't know, but I think it was all money pretty much earned during the marriage. Mm-hmm. And from what I read in the press, right, she walked away with $35 billion. Is that fair? Maybe not, but is she complaining? I hope why not. not? You know? I would yeah, hope not, yeah. Not. yeah. You know? So when you get to a certain level, you know, money makes things easier. It's easier to solve things if you have yeah. en- what's enough. And mm-hmm. it depends on the person, but... Yeah, know. yeah. Would you take a case from a high-profile client if you didn't like their work or their... Mm-hmm the way they come across in the public? No. 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 I mean, it depends. I mean, look, there's some people that I don't necessarily have to agree with everything they say and that we disagree politically or whatever. But if you're talking extremes and there's some extremes in the news right now that mm-hmm. I would not want to be involved with. And look, there, there are people that have just withdrawn from representation of certain very high-profile people for exactly that reason. And yes. I admire that. And I, and I know those people. Um, so, you know, we are not our clients... But you do by association sometimes if, if you're the one that always represents the same kind of person. But on the other hand, look at criminal defense lawyers. It, they represent murderers. Yeah. You know, are they bad people because they represent a, someone who's killed somebody? That doesn't make them a bad person. You know? No. If I was a criminal defense lawyer and I knew somebody murdered somebody, I'd, I'd do my best to make sure they pled guilty and got the best sentence they could. But um, to, the short answer is if it's somebody that I really just didn't like, absolutely couldn't like, no. And I've, I've turned down cases for sure. Yeah. Would, would you turn down, let's say the person, no problem, but you just think, like, let's say they're an actor and their movies are just terrible. And not, you're, <laughs> you're like, fan, man, right? Adam Sandler, right. not my I've... cup of tea. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. Would you, would you take Adam Sandler's case? <laughs> grown ups should have stopped no. at grown ups one. Uh, I don't I like Adam Sandler. I like Actually, he's, he's had a renaissance. Right? I've, I've represented great. people that have not been good actors. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah. But I won't tell them who I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'll tell you a funny story. So, um, we had a guy who was paying child support voluntarily, and he's very well known, and y'all would know him. Uh, he was paying child support for seven years, but no court order, and so he, they were going to make it official. I said, don't you want a DNA test to make sure it's your child, sort of like we were talking about before? And uh, he said, no. I said, no? He goes, I, I know that that's my boy. I said, how do you know? He said, he's got my jump shot. <laughs> and I swear, I said to him, poor kid. He had a bad jump shot. <laughs> Oh, that's so funny. That is good. Um, So at the opening statements, we obviously really value the stories, especially on today's episode. Um, But we really want to talk about like the lessons. And, you know, we've got a lot of younger up and coming attorneys who Mm -hmm. tune in, you know, and so we're trying to help foster also a good learning environment for them. Um, And so we're really looking to help teach people things, you know, that you can't pick up from just reading a book, even though we've got several books that we will be linking to um, (laughs) that everybody should pick up. But, you know, what would you say is some of the most valuable lessons that you've learned over your career that you would want to pass down to other up and coming? God, how much time do we have? There's so much. (laughs) So uh, if you can get a mentor, if you can find somebody you respect that you can ask questions of, but don't go to that person and say, how do I practice law? Figure it out yourself and then say, here's what I figured out. Do you agree? That's one mm-hmm. thing. Number two, lawyers and your colleagues are going to be around forever. Clients come and go. You got to do a good job for your clients, but don't sacrifice your reputation for a client. When a client comes in and says, I'll give you $10,000 and I want you to beat the hell out of my ex-spouse, mm-hmm. um, don't do it just because of that. If, if the ex-spouse deserves it and they're a horrible person and you feel fine. But uh, remember, you're going to see the other lawyer down the road and you're going to be in their shoes. And family lawyers are unique in a lot of ways. One way is that we represent the other side all the time. What I mean by that is criminal defense lawyers always represent criminals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Prosecutors always represent the state. They're always polarized. I'm representing an adultering, cheating husband, and the poor innocent wife is represented by my friend. And the next week, I'm going to have the case where I, he represents 
the, the ad- adultering husband, and I'm representing the poor innocent spouse, um, and I can't be holier than thou. Mm-hmm. And also, take what your clients say with a grain of salt. Yeah. <laughs> there are two sides. Sometimes there's like 99% and 1%, but there's still something on the other side. Um, challenge your clients. And like I said earlier, tell them no. It's okay to say no to a client just because they want you, just because they float your ego, just because they say you're the best and I want you to, I know you can go beat my spouse's lawyer bad because you're bigger and better and more expensive. Do the right thing. Just say no. And long term, you know, we, we all talk about judges. This judge is good. This judge is bad. This judge is pro woman. Judges talk about us. Yeah. And if you're a horse's butt in front of one judge, every judge is going to know it. <laughs> yeah. You know, be polite, be professional. It's how you say it. You know, you can kill them with kindness. You can say the same thing a hundred different ways. Think about how you say things. Don't just say it because that's what you want to say. Think about how to say it. Your, your Honor, my client really is hesitant to ask for this much, but she needs you to know she's been set up in the standard of living. Now she's 50 years old and afraid to get back in the workforce, and they've been living this great standard of living. She would like to be able to stay in the house that they've been in, that the kids have grown up in. And she'd like to be able to drive the same cars. And she'd like her kids to still be able to go to the same clubs. And, and the cost of that is $21,000 a month. And I know it sounds like a lot. Instead of, Your Honor, my client should get $21,000 because this guy's a jerk. You right. know, it's just yeah. how you say it matters. It does. So you mentioned that whenever like, getting these high-profile cases, a lot of it comes with luck, you just happenstance, sure. right place, right time sometimes. But is there any like one or two things that you can say that you did differently than maybe another person to get yourself into those positions? I'd like to take credit for it, but I don't get credit for it. I think if you can make these things happen, yes, I didn't make them happen. I got asked to speak by the NFL Players Association to the NFL Players Association's agents and financial advisors mm. on family law issues that you know they should be aware of. Huh. And because of that, I became very involved, and so I became known for representing a lot of players. I wish I could say I orchestrated that. I went down there. I busted my butt. I put on the very best presentation I could possibly present. They offered me an honorarium. I said, no, I'm just glad to speak for you. So we've developed a good relationship, and I I have a good relationship with them, and I've become a resource. Um, And I don't charge. Like when someone from the Players Association calls and says, we have an issue. We need a lawyer in Dallas, or we need this. How do you deal with this? Or there might be a a lockout. How do you deal with a lockout when players can't pay their support? You know, is there? So I help them behind the scenes. Um, I guess be intentional about who you want to represent. You know, personal injury lawyers, if they want to represent victims of bad wrecks or bad injuries, they become friendly with doctors and nurses who will see those people. And and the patients may say, you know, do you know any good lawyers? Maybe that's you know. And I'm just thinking out of the box. But be intentional about your marketing. Uh, I haven't been. I've just sort of been out there and. You know, I love, like you said, I, I've led a lot of bar associations. I've done a lot of speaking on family law. It turns out in hindsight, by having chaired the family law section of the American Bar, that by speaking in Nevada and Oklahoma and wherever I've spoken, that now when someone there says to their divorce lawyer, my husband moved to Georgia with the kids, they'll say, I know a good lawyer in Georgia. Yeah. So yeah. what goes around sort of comes around, I guess, is the short version. I yeah. like that, though. Yeah, it's not, oh, I paid and put a bunch of bills. You know, right. you gave back and you you built those relationships. Mm-hmm. And then this I wrote that book to, to yeah. let people know what they should know. And a lot of lawyers say, why are you giving away free advice? I said, it's not free advice. It's the law and it's how you use it. And I now have, I mean, God, it strokes my ego when a client comes in and says, all right, before we get started, I want you to know I read your book. And I'm like, good. So you know a little bit about what mediation is <laughs> yeah. and a little bit about you know, and uh, and it makes me feel good. And I know that I helped them. Is that why they hired me? I have no idea. I'm, yeah. I'm sure it didn't hurt because I think it's well written and it's easy to read. So yeah, yeah. I like that. 
All right. So we have one last segment uh, uh, on the show here in a segment, you know, that hopefully puts you, our lovely guest, in the hot seat. It is our goal. I'm okay. sorry yes. in advance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can tell by your smile. I, 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 was, I was adding a few questions to the list too. as we were talking. We're going to play Plead the Fifth. Right. Um, where we're going to ask you three hard-hitting questions, and you can only pass or plead the fifth to one of them. It is our goal to make you plead, plead the, the fifth. fifth. Okay. Okay. So I can only pass or plead the fifth to one. Yes. So if I answer it, then I win. And if I say plead the fifth, then you win. Yes. I yes. got it. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. So earlier in the episode, we mentioned how some of these more – savvy, uh, high-profile individuals may come to you and, like, pay for a consult so that way it kind of takes you off the table for their spouse or significant other to hire you. Have you ever declined to do that consult because you thought there would be a better opportunity to represent the other side? Yes. <laughs> yes. I wish I could ask follow-up. No, we want follow-up yeah. questions, right? Well, well, I mean, the follow-up is sort of that the other side, I knew he or she was very famous, very well-known, they may not have hired me, but I still didn't want to be on the other side of that person. It turned out that person did hire me. That person never knew that his or her spouse had tried to consult him beforehand. You. And we ended up having a whole jury trial. It was a long situation. What? And, um, yeah. But we can't talk about any names on that one? Nope. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, let me see here. Who is the most famous person in your contacts list? <laughs> Yeah, I will tell you, but it's not. Um, so for years, my it, it comes up all the time because you know your contacts are alphabetical. Yeah. The first name for years in my contacts list was Hank Aaron. Whoa. Okay. I didn't represent Hank Aaron, but I got a yeah. call one day on my cell. I said, Mr. Kessler, this is uh, Hank Aaron. Can you call me? I called him. He wanted me to represent his brother. James. Oh, okay. I would save that voice moment. <laughs> I did save it forever. It was in my until we went to a new phone system and it evaporated. It would be my oh, ringtone. Wow. It was. It was the nicest call and. Um, and then so I gave James a baseball. He said, so you want me to get my brother's son? I said, no. Everyone's got Hank Aaron balls. I want the brother of Hank Aaron. <laughs> so he ended up getting Hank to sign a ball as well. But um, and it was nice. It was, uh, you know, it's almost like I'd rather, rather represent his brother because that's more unique. But, uh, yeah. That's so that was cool. That very was cool. Really, yeah. That's very cool. That reminds me of Joe, my husband. Anytime, like, I have the opportunity to, to meet, like, an athlete, he always asks me to get – an autograph, but on like a different like. So if it's an NFL player, get him to sign a baseball. That's you know, because he, he's like he's like that's, that's cooler. Yeah. You know, so he's like get him to sign a golf ball. I do. Have successfully done it. Their yeah. Baseball caps. Yeah. I'm lucky. A lot of my contact list is pretty cool. So yeah. 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 Very cool. Okay. All right. Okay. I can't crack my knuckles. You're the last but I'm pretending. One. Last one. <laughs> keep, keep. Yep. There you go. All right. Let's go through. Make these. it good, Laura. That last one was good. I didn't think about that's that. That's a great question. Um, oh. I feel like you're not going to answer this. I don't want to give you like a an, of, like an official. Yeah, because we don't want to be we don't want to official. Ask one where you're like, okay, I'll just... ask you. And if you tell me you're going to plead, I'll ask a second one because I think it, you would have to. But who is the worst actor you've ever represented? Uh, <laughs> 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 Look, I haven't represented that many. We're Atlanta. We're not. You know, um, I can't tell you. But the, How but, about the worst actor you've ever somebody, opposed? It would, be somebody, it would probably be somebody who's not really an actor but has a specialty in another field. Like, say, maybe an athlete or a hip-hop person who, who acts happens sometimes. to also... <laughs> like like Aaron. Got it. Right. So. Did you say Space Jam? Michael Jordan's Space Jam. I loved Space Jam, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I I Jam we, as a child. We were on the other side of him, but we didn't represent <laughs> yeah. him. So. Oh, really? Oh, okay. All right, I'll give you... I think yeah, you, you I, pretty much answered you, that. That's... 
outside of like saying a name, which I was low key hoping for. But I know, <laughs> but we know I think we know we can't. Well, thank you so much for joining us on this week's episode of the Opening Statements Podcast. Ah, thank you guys for easy, fun, nice, <laughs> and uh, great to be with. Oh, so, glowing review. Thank you. Thank yeah, absolutely. You. Yeah, so Evan, I- you got to keep it down. Uh, yeah. yeah. Sorry. <laughs> too many questions. <laughs> too chatty. <laughs> I heard everyone was going to be asking questions. And, yeah. I have so many questions, yeah. but, you know. Well, we, we had a good chance to talk before the podcast. Yeah. So. Yes. That's good. All right. Well, everyone, you guys can check us out at Hyperchat Social on all the social medias. And remember to give us a five-star review everywhere that you download and listen to your podcast. We'll catch you next time. Case, Case closed. closed.